Welcome to Stories from Palestine podcast, a podcast recorded in Palestine and about Palestine. My name is Crystal, I studied history and tour guiding, and I live in Palestine with my Palestinian husband and children. I started this podcast during the COVID pandemic in the summer of 2020, and now that tourism is slowly coming back to Palestine, I will continue the podcast bi-weekly. So subscribe on your podcast player and turn on the notifications if you want to be reminded of new episodes. You can also follow Stories from Palestine on Facebook and Instagram, where I will share a virtual soundbite of each new episode. Today, I'm talking to Colette Ronim, who is the daughter of a Palestinian father and a Mexican mother. She grew up in the United States. She's currently working on directing her first feature-length film that is documenting her own journey with her parents to go back to Mexico and Palestine to locate the parents' original homes. Both of them were forced to leave their homes unwillingly. She's also the co-founder of Mezcla Media Collective, and we will ask her to tell us a little bit more about this nonprofit. I met Colette myself in Palestine a few years ago. I think it was in March 2019. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were filming here with your parents. So I got to meet you then and uh, learn a little bit more about this project. And now you're in a much further stage of making this film. And I was hoping that you can tell us a little bit more about this film that you call Traces of Home. But before we speak about the film, can you introduce yourself a bit more and your family story? Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to you know, be able to have this wonderful conversation, but also I'm <laughs> to be featured. So thank you. Uh, yeah, so my name is Colette and I am a documentary filmmaker based in Chicago in the U.S., and I am also a nonprofit leader. And, you know, this is my first feature length film. It's called Traces of Home. And it's really following the journey of me returning to both Mexico and Palestine with my parents to try to find their original homes that they were forced to leave as children. But then along the way, beginning to unpack how this trauma of having to leave affected my own relationships with them and my own character and sense of self-worth growing up in disconnected in the U.S. So it's definitely been quite the emotional journey, but, you know, I'm on year five now, so the journey's still going <laughs> uh, with the goal to finish it next year. Are you, like, did you study documentary filmmaking or did you do previous films? Yes. So my father was actually a wedding videographer. So we were always around cameras growing up, my brother and I, and like I learned how to edit when I was younger, but I never knew that I wanted to make it my career. I was interested in media and communications. And so I was exploring that in college and I ended up studying abroad in Egypt. And while I was there, I got to work at a film festival. And that just like opened up my world towards documentary film, getting to watch other filmmakers and work and get to actually meet them and learn about their own careers. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is definitely something that I would want to continue to pursue. So I did my first film in Egypt. It was called The People's Girls. And it was about street harassment in Cairo, and it was half an hour long. So it was um, it was a beautiful experience to like get to learn how to make a film and how to fundraise and that kind of thing. And that really set me up for 
success to be able to fundraise for now my current film, Traces of Home. I read that that video, it went viral very quickly. Do you know anything about after that? Did that video change something in Egypt? Did it open up discussions? Yeah. So when we made that that trailer, it was in 2014. And it was definitely at the beginning, the very beginning of the Me Too movement worldwide. And I mean, after we created that trailer, there was a huge uproar of other viral videos that were created about like what it was like to walk as a woman in New York or in this place, in this place, in this place. And so it created a chain of a lot of people like just putting harassment out into the forefront. And I feel that definitely with this film, we were able to break this taboo subject that people wouldn't really talk about it in Egypt or people were afraid to to be blamed for wearing whatever or talking, however, that kind of thing. And that by having women come out and say their stories, that it just created a lot more strength for a lot of other people to come out with their stories and also to start shifting the perspectives of why this is happening in Egypt and how to fight back. Yeah, and then I guess that with that experience, you also know the power of documentary filmmaking and the power of social media. Totally, totally. So I guess that with your new project, with Traces of Home, there is definitely a personal story, but there's also a message that you have uh, that is going to spread worldwide. So I want to talk, of course, with you about these traces of home, especially, I mean, the podcast is stories from Palestine and your dad is from Palestine, uh, but your mom is from Mexico. So as a child growing up, how much of those two identities did you experience in your own life? So growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, I unfortunately wasn't connected to either Mexico or Palestine. My parents very much came in the era of assimilation and wanting to make sure that we became as American as possible and not, you know, really connected to our roots. So I didn't grow up learning Spanish or Arabic. I didn't have family around, no food, no culture. It was just like a complete cut. And, you know, this was sort of why I wanted to go on this journey to, like, understand why I was so disconnected and to reconnect to my heritage and my roots to understand who my parents were, too. Can you tell us why they left their homes and why they came to the United States? Yes. So my father was born in 1944 and he was from Safad, which is now, you know, occupied Palestine, Israel. And so... When he was four in 1948 was the Nakba and his home was taken and they were forced to escape due to surrounding violence in other villages. And so they crossed the border into Lebanon and never returned since he was four years old. And now he's, yeah, 78. And for my mom, she um, was born in Mexico City and had a very wealthy, you know, upbringing. But her father was an alcoholic and very abusive. And... My grandmother, after 10 years of enduring this abuse, finally gathered the courage to leave and she crossed the border into the U.S., took her children and also never returned to Mexico. So my mom had never been back either since she was a child. So it was just like two places of deep trauma, but also are the roots of all of um, our history. And so it was super important for us to be able to like do this journey to go back together. When you told your parents that you had this idea of going with them to their old homes. How did they respond to that? Yeah. So for my mom, she was very interested and she's like, yes, I feel ready to go back and was like very curious to to know about that past and to like 
see her family and that kind of thing. But for my dad, he was extremely nervous and was like, I'm not going back until there's peace. Like, I don't want to see the occupation and the soldiers. He was just like totally not, (laughs) not wanting to do it. But, you know, after showing the trailer to different people and inviting him to events where people got to meet him and were like, wow, we're so inspired by you, like, da-da-da-da-da, that it gave him the courage and, and motivation to be able to go on this journey with us after 70 years. Yeah, I remember when you told me that you were coming and that I got excited for him to come and see Palestine. <laughs> wow, wow. But I also wonder, like, how much of the, the trauma that they experienced through, again, also their parents? I mean, this is a generational trauma that is from... He was four. They were both young when they had to leave. Mm-hmm. But they have all the stories and the emotions that they felt through their parents. How much of that did you grasp as a child growing up? Yeah. You know, I didn't. I mean, it sort of felt like fairy tales, these stories that felt like so distant in these distant lands that it really just felt like it's a little sound like a movie. Like it didn't really sound real. But then, of course, once we started going deeper into these stories and actually going to the countries and then starting to go to therapy, it was just unpacking all these layers of how this really shaped who they are and that it's not that distant. And it shaped me, too. So, yeah, it definitely came very, very clear to light uh, once we went into production. I'd be very interested to know a bit more about the psychological aspect of that, but that's a very, very personal story. And I don't know okay. if you are also going to tell that through the film, if that's going to be clear, like how that, I mean, yeah, we're going to see how it impacted your parents, but are we going to also see how that impacted you? Yes. So in the beginning, like when when we were together in Palestine, we definitely did not I didn't have the idea of putting myself in the film and that, you know, it was more about my parents and their migration stories and them being able to go back and like talk about the political issues. And, you know, fast forward, what, now it's been three years later that it's definitely taken much deeper layers to go into myself and my trauma and how this trauma was passed through the DNA into me. And so... I'm definitely planning to like thread my own story within the film to like connect the Mexico Palestine, but then also my own trajectory of understanding who my parents are and who I am too. Once you decided that I want to take my uh, my parents, how did you start moving from there practically to find their homes uh, to to know how to travel, where to go? How was that? Yes, yeah, so. I Before we went, months before, I started to connect to different organizations in Palestine and in Mexico that, specifically for Palestine, that I was looking for research of how, you know, if there were any maps or like some sort of resources that we could use to try to find the house. And there was an organization called Zakrat that is um, amazing. And they've worked on like doing deep research on the Nakba. And they were able to connect me to this man who had been making a map of my dad's town, Safad, which the map had all that family names in the entire village. And so we spent like hours trying to search for this, like the names and thousands of names. And we were able to find it. Thankfully, we found we found it on the map. But then we're like, okay, now that we found the map, how do we find it on the ground? Um, So we went with different researchers. They came with us to like 
try to place where it was on the map to to the present day. And it was essential to have them with us because that's how we were able to actually find the the home. And then for my mom, we actually were able to find old records of documents and like trying to find birth certificates and that kind of thing and like death records. And yeah, we were able to find like, I think it was my my aunt's birth certificate that it had an address on there and we're like okay this might be it and then we were able to confirm so that was that was a little bit easier actually than the palestine one yeah (laughs) did either of them recognize the home when they saw it um my mom did my mom remembered like there was a balcony and that kind of thing my dad said that he didn't remember anything before we went he was like i have no memory i was four years old but when we were in safa in palestine all of these memories just kept like all of a sudden started popping up that he's like, oh, it was made out of white stone or it was on a, it was in a valley. And so when we saw the house, of course, it was made out of white stone and it was in a valley. So it was like, yeah, it was it was really amazing for all of us to just come back up for him when we were there. I know Safat. I've been in Safat. It's a very, very beautiful Palestinian village. Mm-hmm. And it was, unlike many other villages, it was not destroyed right. during the Nakba. Right. Are the homes of the Palestinians who were uh, driven out of it yes. are still there. Yes. But now there are Jewish-Israeli people who live in there. So when you reached to the home, what did you find? Yeah, so, okay, this is a spoiler alert if anyone's going to watch it, but that's okay. <laughs> so, so when we got there, we actually got to, uh, we got to knock on the door of the house and we met the person living inside who was like French. He moved to the town like a few years ago. And we were talking about everything. And, you know, he was like, oh, you know, some people won in this war, some people lost. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we won. It was, you know, he didn't speak English, so we didn't. We got the translations afterwards, but you know, it was just very, very sad. Very, very sad that you know he was just like, yeah, you can come visit whenever you want, and we're like, visit? Like this is our home? Oh my gosh, very hard. Um, but still, so grateful that we got to do it. How was your father during and after the trip? What was amazing was that. For my father, he was very much like a superstar while he was there because anyone he told, like all the Palestinians were like, oh my gosh, you're here after 70 years. You know, he was just so obviously at home and being his full authentic self, which was absolutely beautiful. And, you know, now after he's just like, wow, that was such, you know, just reminiscing and like, I'm so glad I went. I'm so glad I went. Like, that was a dream. What a beautiful place. So I'm very glad that he enjoyed going back. I I was afraid. I was afraid that he would be traumatized, but it was a, a beautiful, enriching experience for him to return to his homeland. And for you, how was that for you that you grow up? Knowing that, okay, my mom is Mexican, my dad is Palestinian, but yeah, you are this American girl, the melting pot country. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you are in the country where your father was born and where your grandparents lived. Yeah, I mean, it was really... Wow, it was really amazing to be back. And for it was interesting because when we found the homes, my parents didn't cry, but I was like bawling. And I was like, why am I the one that is so emotional right now? And it's, you know, it's a reconnection for me that I'd never had ever. So it just meant so much for me to be able to go back, even though, right, I had no real roots in Egypt, either of these places. 
Um, but yeah, just, wow. It's just so much. You could just feel the vibration of like, you know, my ancestors in both places. It was incredible. It was incredible. When you were in Palestine or when you remember that trip, are there a few things that stand out in your memory about the country, the people, the food, something? I mean, definitely being with you all <laughs> on the tour was like, wow, just so illuminating and just so beautiful to be in community with with Palestinians that are really, you know, going through what my father went through 70 years ago, that it's still going on. Um Of course, right, the food and the culture was incredible and getting to like see all of these things. But definitely for me, hearing about the stories of what people are going through and like, you know, really getting a, a very much deeper understanding of the discrimination and just how prevalent it was, um, was very eye opening for me. And I feel like it was so important for me to get to to really connect to like, yeah, this is what Palestinians are going through right now beyond just like watching the news. Yeah, that was actually a question that I had also, because there is a huge number of Palestinian diaspora, people who have had to leave Palestine and then their children growing up in other parts of the world. When you see the news coming out from Palestine, either through the normal media or the social media, what does that do to you when you know that you have an actual DNA connection to this place? Right, right. I mean, I definitely feel an obligation to do something <laughs> because, you know, this could easily be me and my family. Like if we if we were from a different village that it would have easily been like us in Gaza or us in the West Bank. And so, you know, being able to use my voice and my camera to shed a light on what's happening, it just feels so important. And Even with like, you know, like a $20 donation a month, you know, just trying to think of ways of how I can support what's what's happening on the ground, even in whatever way I can. But definitely through my art and through like documentation and keeping this history alive that is being so hard, like trying so hard to be erased is um, the way I feel like I can do my part the most from the U.S. Yeah. And with this film, you first of all, you are going to show the world very important part of the Palestinian history, the Nakba, and how that affected people. Mm -hmm. But in the same time, there is also that connection about the immigrant community in the United States, the Latinos and the Arabs that live mm -hmm. in the U.S. Can you also say a little bit about that? Yeah, so definitely the film is going going into, you know, the family separations and the refugee ban how my parents' stories were so similar to what was happening with the 2016 administration. And I mean, still, the family separations are happening at the border. And my mom was separated from her mom um, for six months at in Tijuana in Mexico. And so, you know, really putting my story as an example of the next generation that's coming into the U.S. who are going to be disconnected and like still have that trauma from what happened to their parents Being able to tie was also super interesting is tying the walls and the the issues around the walls in Mexico and in Palestine with like the separation walls and how they're similar and different is also a very interesting parallel that I definitely want to like touch on in the film too. 
Yeah, and I can also imagine that even in the United States, as I said, I at least this is what we always learned about the United States. It's a melting pot. Okay. And we learned as a Europeans that in America, when you speak English with an American accent, you are an American. But then later in life, I learned that, well, if you're an American with a color skin or you have different ancestry, you may not be as equal okay. with others. So is that right. something, because I, I imagine that a lot of people with immigrant parents who are struggling with some kind of generational trauma, but also with the, the racism of today, where you have to maybe fight harder to get where you want, that this is something that can also be something people will feel through your film. Right, right, right. Yes, definitely. And like the whole idea of not feeling like you belong and, you know, just like there's so much racism and discrimination in the U.S., but then also globally, like Europe, like even in Latin America, that the colorism is is a real thing. And so this whole idea of traces of home is really trying to figure out as people of color, children of immigrants, where do we belong? And that we we are whole no matter where we are, that like who we are is enough. And I feel like that that message is not strong enough. And like making sure that through my story, that there is this healing that we have to go through as people of color in both the US, but then also globally too. You are also the co-founder of a media collective called Mezcla. Yes. Can you explain a bit more about that? What is that and what you do? Sure, sure. For sure. Yes. So I started a nonprofit organization, an NGO back in 2017 to specifically support women uh, filmmakers of color in Chicago. So we do a lot of different types of programming and workshops to start shifting the film industry locally so that people are able to sustain careers in film and to also be able to get educational programming that they may not have um, access to if they didn't go to film school. So it's been amazing to like see how much it's grown. We have over 700 members now that are cinematographers, screenwriters, directors, uh, doing both documentary and fiction. So it's been amazing to see how much it's grown since uh, the five years yeah. that it started. And then when you say women of color, it's from different parts of the world? Correct. Yeah. So most of us, I mean, you know, a lot of them are Black Americans and we have Latinos, we have Arab Americans, Asian Americans, um, but also, yeah, a lot of immigrants that are coming from other countries that just moved to the U.S. But yeah, anyone from anywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And do you feel when you when people ask you about your background and you say Mexican and Palestinian, do you feel that in America they know about Palestine or they know what does it mean to be Palestinian? Um, I would say the majority do not <laughs> know much about Palestine. A lot of times they're like, oh, Pakistan. So I'm like, no, 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 not Pakistan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, all right, you know, having to to educate of like, you know, Israel used to be Palestine and da, 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 going into that history. But there are some people that are very, very well educated on Palestine in the U.S. too, that that there is some 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 knowledge, I think, more as social media and the news is is bringing light to the situation there. Um, but yeah, like older generations, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Is that something you also have to do in your film, in Traces of Home, in order to introduce the story of your father, you have to introduce some history? 
Yes. So I am going to tell like the escape story. My father narrates his story of how they escaped and like talks a little bit about Palestine and um, what happened during the Nakba. But it will be told through animation, which I'm very excited about. We're going to be working with a local Palestinian animator um, to be able to like tell that story beyond just the archives that have been used in so many other films. So very excited for for sharing that that way. Oh, yeah, because I was going to ask you, is it the footage that we are going to see in your film? Is it only what you recorded now or we will also see something from archives? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm trying to stay away from the archives right now. We're using the archives, but like so many documentaries have used the exact same images and videos that I'm like, you know, maybe to make it more personalized to, to use animation instead. Yeah, I also read on your website that you have an advisory board of over 30 organizations. Mm-hmm. Can you say something about that? Yes. So definitely... Um, a huge goal is to have an impact campaign around the film to bring it back to the Middle East and, of course, Palestine, Mexico, Latin America, and also in the U.S. working with immigrant organizations to bring the film um, around. Because, you know, this story, I mean, it's very much Mexico-Palestine, but then it's also like indigenous communities and, you know, communities that have experienced trauma. So being able to partner with other organizations that focus on these specific issues to help with panels and like educational guides for classrooms. That's been super beneficial um, to bring it to the right audiences too. After the film is uh, finished and ready to screen, what is uh, your, I don't know, like your idea about where it will be screened? How are you going to distribute this film? Where, where will it be available? Yes. So Right now, I am in talks with Hulu, which is a streaming service um, that we are hoping to get it to have a streaming deal and then also to have like a national broadcast on the public station in the U.S. We also have a deal with Al Jazeera Documentary Channel to bring the Arabic version to the MENA region. And um, but the real big goal beyond film festivals and all of that is to have community screenings. Um, in different local organizations and local theaters, that kind of thing, to to really bring it to the right communities that really need it. Yeah, and I imagine that in order to produce such a feature-length film, it costs a lot, a lot of money, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I remember that at some point I got an invitation to support a crowdfunding on Kickstarter, which I did, which means that I still keep receiving the updates and that's always good so that you get a little bit of an idea of how things are proceeding mm-hmm. but uh, yeah how was it for you to to and is it going well like to find enough funding for this and especially when the topic is palestine does that influence also your options mm-hmm. Yes. So definitely um, we have enough funding for a rough cut. But then after that, we are still seeking completion funding for the film. And I have been going after different foundations and that kind of thing. I mean, with the topic of Palestine, it is controversial and really thinking about what the what these foundations are funding if they are funding like Zionist causes and that kind of thing that they are not a fit for. The work that I'm doing. So like being very cautious of where I'm getting funding from that I want to make sure that it aligns with my own values and, um, you know, 
not supporting the occupation. So what's your timeline? When do you want it to be ready? And when do you think it's reasonable? Yes. So my goal is to finish it around this time next year. And we are hoping to have like an early 2024 festival premiere. So still a little bit of time, but we're getting there slowly but surely in the edit room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How many people do you have on your team? Like with how many people are you working? Yeah. So I have an editor. She is Tunisian American and based in San Francisco. She's been amazing. Her name is Sarah Mamouri. And my producer, her name is Capella Fahoum, and she's been super helpful in like starting to create potential funding meetings and that kind of thing, just helping with the storylines um, and then like having a few story consultants, that kind of thing. But yeah, it's a very small team of, of people to make this happen. <laughs> well, we have to make sure that you also come and screen in Palestine. Oh my gosh, a dream. We have to. Yes, I would love to partner for sure. There are several now. There is the Palestine Cinema Days, and there are a couple of these organizers, distributors. And, you know, we have um, opened a bar also. It's called Al Jisser, and we have a small cinema next to our bar. So you are welcome. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, I would love to have like a Bethlehem screaming. Wow, that would be amazing. Yeah. We'd love to see your dad again also then. Do you think he wants to come back? Yes. Yes. Yes, I, he would love to return again. He's like, I want to go to Safad and like all over again. So I hope this time will be a little bit calmer for him because we were on a mission. We were working last time. So now to have him relax would be great. Yeah. Next time you have to give him a chance to sit down and relax and talk to people and not yes. run and <laughs> yes. do all the recording. Oh, my dad, we have, we have places to be. Yeah. <laughs> he was on your schedule. Now he needs to come on his own. Right, right. Yes, yes. Agreed. Agreed. So what is your main maybe message or your main dream with this film, Traces of Home? I think it's really being able to validate our identity as both children of immigrants in the U.S., but then also as Palestinians, and that there is this deep history that is trying to be erased, and that if we don't tell our stories, they will. And so we have to combat against it by sharing, you know, our parents and and the generations before it, both the beautiful and the trauma and all of it of what Palestine is and was. So... I think that that is the main thing of just being able to say, yeah, we are here, we are worthy, we are valuable, and that our stories matter. That's the biggest thing for me. If listeners of this podcast want to make sure that they can follow up on the progress and then eventually know when the film is ready and how they can see it, how can they follow you? Where can they follow Traces of Home? Yes, so we have a monthly newsletter that people can sign up for on tracesofhome.com. And we also have an Instagram where we're posting updates and that kind of thing. But definitely the newsletter is where the most updates are. So I'll post a link in the show notes of this podcast episode. So people, after we finish, they can click the link. They can directly go there, sign up for the newsletter and or go to the Instagram and then be updated there. I want to thank you, Colette, very much for like all that you told us and thank for all that you. you're doing. I am, I cannot wait until this film uh, is <laughs> ready. I, I saw the trailer 
And I tell you, the first time I saw the trailer, I cried. And now when preparing for this interview, <laughs> I saw it and I cried again. It made me so emotional. <laughs> yeah, because it's... Uh, oh, yeah, sir, there are so you. many Palestinians all over the world who are not able to return to their own homes and who have who are carrying this yes. trauma with them. And this is generational. So it is not something that stops just with the first generation. And I hope that your film can help a lot of people, also Palestinians in the diaspora worldwide, when they see it, to maybe realize that I'm not the only one who is walking around with these feelings and these emotions. And maybe eventually can find each other through your film and uh, and share that. Uh, uh, I mean, shared trauma, always better than lonely trauma, I would say. Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, and it's so true that, right. I just feel so grateful that we were even able, because we have the American passports to even go in the first place. Cause they're, all of my family is not able to, to, to go. They're all in Syria and Saudi Arabia. So definitely having this opportunity was, was a dream that, yeah, I was so blessed for sure. And to have met you all too. Yeah. Thank you so much. You have been, you were instrumental to the journey too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. And we'll follow you in your traces to home. Yay. Thank you. Thank you, Crystal. Right. Right. Thank you for listening. Please consider supporting the podcast with a donation. It is free to listen, but there are costs involved in the production and quite a lot of time. It's very much appreciated if listeners chip in and you can already do that with a couple of bugs on the Kofi page. You can find the link in the show notes as well as other links to the social media accounts and the website. I hope you will tune in again for the next episode every other week, a new one.